2: Hello there, ladies and gents. Budge here from the Beautiful Game podcast. I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. And of course, we had such a great time bringing you daily transfer gossip and news with Eurosport. We had to bring up another collaboration. And this time round, we are going to be bringing you analysis and our views on the Champions League round of fixtures. We're also joined by Ben. How's it going, Ben?
0: Yeah, very good. Delighted to be back.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff. It, it, like we already said, you know, it's it's been great fun, and we thought, you know, we ab- absolutely need to get it done again um, at the at the next opportunity, and here we are. So we're gonna have a quick review of each of the fixtures uh, played in the Champions League this week, and we're gonna kick things off with a very very entertaining game that was played this evening, and that was between Sevilla and Dortmund. So. Um, opening up the floor, guys, what do you what what are your thoughts um, you know in in summary of that game? what were the key to, uh, highlights and talking points for you
3: I think for me, very interesting game. I think when I saw this draw, I think for me it was almost like a 50 50 or, or a 55 45 in in favor of Dortmund. and I think um, Sevilla started off the game very well, suso scoring the opening goal. And this is a player that I've liked since 16 um, when he broke through at Liverpool under Brendan Rodgers. And this was a player that I thought was going to go to the top of the game. And yes, he's had, you know, a few stops and starts, going to AC Milan, having a purple patch there. But he seems to have settled down in Sevilla and he's playing some very good football at the moment. But I think just to summarise the game, I think Dortmund will be happy with that result, you know, going away from home and getting the win. You know, it's a massive result. And I think when you've got players like Haaland, Jaden Sancho and Royce in, in in the attack, I think if they perform to their standard, it's unstoppable, to be honest. And I think just a quick mention to Dahoud, who scored his first Champions League goal and what a goal it was. So oh. I think big result for Dortmund and that puts them in the driving seat for the second leg.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no, 100%. You know, you know what, what I, I thought, Dot, was that the um the the end results of the game uh i i think painted a a better picture of of, of the game certainly for for sevilla because at, at large spells throughout that game they looked very pedestrian yeah. uh very lethargic it was it was really really sort of side to side and 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 not much impetus in their game although they might have dom- dominated uh stats in terms of completed passes that mm-hmm. certainly wasn't what I, I, I was seeing, um, and it was definitely it, it, it certainly felt more like uh possession without much progression, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it, 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 was, it, it really felt like the, the Dortmund players were sort of fastest finger first, really sharp and, and quick to react. Is, is that what you saw as well, Dej?
4: Yeah, 100%. As we mentioned before, Sevilla started the game off well,
2: monopolizing the ball.
4: Then once they got the goal, it was almost like what we have, we hold. There was no progression, no impetus, and I thought. Dortmund sat back in that low block and protected their halfway line and said, you know what? You're not going to break us down. And Papu Gomez is someone that we've spoken about a lot on this podcast. And we've spoken about his time at Atalanta where he was very domineering and everything went through him. But he was sort of on the periphery. And again, I think we've seen in football over this week that speed kills. We've seen it yesterday and we've seen it today. You know, that transition is key and if you've got players that are quick and can finish, like Sancho and Haaland, then you've got half a chance. And I thought Haaland really, you know, took that baton on and said, you know what, Mbappe, I've seen what you can do. I can do something similar. And I think some of his finishing, the power, like there was one shot that he had, it's like, he shoots I like a that. mule. He no shoots back like lift. a mule. Yeah, like, it's... Yeah. and I thought, you know, Dortmund could have run riot. Sancho someone that, it's probably had a bit of a slower start to the season. Um, Obviously, that rumoured move to Manchester United probably has a large part to play in that. But I thought in this game, his accuracy of pass in the final third, he always makes those sharp, precise passes. And, uh, and I think Dortmund obviously have the, you know, the strength going into the second leg. Three away goals, you know, it's going to take much to overhaul that from Sevilla, who it was a bit strange because when mm. you look at La Liga... They've got the second best defence. They've kept a lot of clean sheets. So it's sort of out of character. Mm. And when you look at their centre-backs, Carlos and Kunde, these are two players that have been linked with rumoured moves to bigger clubs. Mm-hmm. And I thought some of their defending at time was a bit novice You know, not pressing when you need to press, dropping back when you're meant to be engaging. So, yeah, I was a bit mystified about that performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, Sevilla looked like they had one game plan and it was to score... And then just sit back. And they were completely stunned when Dortmund went 1-0. They were like, hang on, like, we don't concede goals. What was happening on? And from then on, for the rest of the first half, they were like, I don't know, deer in their headlights. So you saw Diego Carlos, like, normally he's a really competent defender. And when Haaland was running towards to him, he was just full sprint yeah. running towards his goal. Like, yeah. I mean, you're going to be one of the best defenders in Europe. And you're running headfirst towards your own goal. Harlan quick 1-2 with Sancho and his quality. One thing I'll say about Harlan, and maybe this, maybe this, I don't know. T- maybe touch on like the Mbappe debate we might have in a bit. Um, but he still looks so raw, like when he's running with the ball, it doesn't look like he's in control of his legs, and yet he's moving at such speed. I've never seen anything like it. And then yeah. that was that shot, and it was saved. But yeah, was hit I know, exactly 30, the one
2: you went about yeah. 30
0: miles an hour faster than any ball I've ever seen hit, except the one he scored against PSG in the Champions League. I remember, that. Yeah, I remember I'm, that. I'm worried about this guy's muscles. Like, are they really going to be able to take this punishment <laughs> week after week after week? He's a young lad. But um, I think just maybe just take ten miles an hour off because you're still going to (laughs) score. Do
2: you know what? That's that's a really good point. Um, and and something that I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, of course it's a big result for for Dortmund getting that over the line, and and of course they're in pole position to to qualify in this tie. You know, uh, touch wood, um, everything goes according to plan in the second leg. But how important is them? winning and and getting back to winning ways to re, to recover their form in the league. So obviously in Bundesliga at the moment they they're, they're sixth uh six points off of fourth and and if you look at their last six fixtures they've they've got three losses, two draws and one win. So they've got to find a win from somewhere and and, and start building momentum and of course there's been a lot of rumors about this uh, this this shortlist that Michael Zorc has um of of players that could potentially leave in the summer if they fail to get Champions League football? And I guess I ultimately, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about the importance of this particular win. I think we can use Liverpool as an example, you know,
3: having a bad spell in their domestic league. And obviously you can use the Champions League as a platform to boost your confidence. I think this win is going to be massive for Dortmund because going away from home in the Champions League in the last 16 is never an easy, you know, tie. And for them to get the win, that's going to breed confidence in the camp. And as Dez said earlier, Jaden Sanchez had a bit of a slow start to the season, but we all know that he's a world-class player. Mm. And if he hits form, Dortmund will probably end up in the top four because they've got too much attacking firepower to be shut out for any longer.
4: Mm, and I think the Champions League is the perfect medicine for Dortmund's problems. 16 points off the top of the league and their you know style of play is geared towards knockout football. You know, sit back in that low block, explode forward with the pace of Sancho. Haaland's going to finish them off. So I think they're going to be a dangerous proposition as they progress Mm. through the competition, because I do believe they're going to progress. And, you know, they can do something special in this competition. Obviously, Marco Royce is, you know, probably a seasoned campaigner Mm. for them. And I think his experience, his know-how guiding those youngers will be key for them.
3: And I think just the last one on this, Jules Kunde, the centre-back. I was watching him very closely today because this is a player that was linked with a big money move to Manchester City in the summer. And I think he still has a lot to learn. Yes, he's mm. a fantastic talent. But bide your time, keep learning at Sevilla and eventually try and make that big move in the next two years.
2: Ben alluded to it a little earlier. Um, and it certainly is a debate that seems to have taken... Uh, social media by a storm now. Um, and that is, of course, the debate of Haaland versus Mbappe. We saw him, uh, that ha- Haaland that is, put in an absolute masterclass today. And we saw an absolute star boy performance from uh, killing Mbappe yesterday evening. So before we segue into the Barcelona um, and PSG game, the one question I've got to go around and ask each of you is, if you've got a blank checkbook right now, which Which player are you signing? Are you going for Kylian Mbappe or are you going for Erling Haaland and why? I'll use two blank checkbooks to get Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. And
3: why why would you say that, though He's going to be the best footballer in the world. I just think when you look at his skill set, the pace, the power, you know, The dynamic dribbling, just everything, the finishing. I mean, this is a superstar World Cup winner, done it on the big stage. Come on, this is a no-brainer.
0: I see. For me, I think it's a no-brainer, but the other way. Uh, You're looking at Haaland, you look at his rise. I mean, this kid was at Red Bull Salzburg, what, 14 months ago. um, And he just keeps getting better and better. I think Mbappe, we're somewhere near seeing what his potential is. Mm. I have no idea what Haaland's potential is because every stage he gets on, he just keeps scoring like, what is it, like 18 goals in the Champions League? Yeah. <laughs> like already? Like, I mean, it's, it's insane when like most of yeah. those games came at Red Bull Salzburg. Um, I mean, if you get second pick in this draft of Mbappe or Haaland, you've done very, very well. <laughs> I just think that the guy with the potentially higher ceiling and it's a ceiling we are yet to see for me is Haaland. As I said earlier, like well, the way he runs, it all looks so weird. Like, Imagine when this guy kind of brings control to his limbs. Like, what he can achieve.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I'm
0: going to have to,
4: you know, make the decide. And I'm going to have to say Kylian Mbappe. This boy is a star boy. We've seen his rise. 22, he's demolishing stats. Even when you think about it as a brand. And there was one moment in that game where PK tried to pull him down and he was sort of like, get off me. That was just, that showed me that, you know what? This boy means business. To go to the Camp new. Messi's turf and take that mantle and say, you know what, I've arrived. <laughs> I'm next in command. I want to be a potential Ballon d'Or winner. And I think, yeah, it has to be Mbappe. He's going to carry football on his back for the next 10 years or so if
0: he <laughs> avoids injury. I'll add just one more thing on that. And that is that if if reports are to be believed from Spain, then Real Madrid are going to try and sign them both. Um, Mbappe in 2021, Haaland in 2022. And if I'm a big club in Europe, I can't let that happen because Actually, you're basically yeah. saying goodbye to the Champions League for 10 years. You're not going to see the trophy <laughs> for 10 years. Real Madrid will win. All right, they won't win every single one, obviously. But <laughs> but those are the two best players. And they, you have to have those players at different clubs. So if Mbappe moves in 2021, you have to make sure Haaland doesn't join Real Madrid in 2022.
2: Yeah that's a really good point Ben and I and I and I would argue that in order for us to see the best of both players they absolutely do need to be playing for different clubs and 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 perhaps we could see another uh situation like uh Messi versus Ronaldo you know you can imagine playing for uh, the same club those two would have been absolutely devastating but it's that that competition between the two of them that really allowed their game to rise to the levels that that we've seen over the past few years so uh, deep diving into the game then, um, were, were, were we at all surprised with the with the result um, and, and how uh, convincing the win was for, for PSG? G- well, generally, what were your thoughts on, on this one? We'll, we'll kick things off with you, Dej.
4: Um, I wasn't surprised. I mean, last season we saw that embarrassment against Bayern Munich and we just have to be honest, Barcelona can no longer compete on that top table of European football. I think this has been like a slow wear and tear process. Obviously, you have got an icon in Messi. You've got some players that are world-class in PK, Busquets, and surrounding that, you sort of got a mishmash of players. Bele is good, but he's mostly injured. We've got Griezmann, then we've just got a crop of youngsters. And when you talk about what's surrounding the club, there's a whole lot of talk about the elections, the presidential stuff, and this has all seeped onto the pitch. And I think we saw that, you know, PSG were just too quick, too explosive, too energetic. They had the know-how and I think I wasn't surprised to see Barcelona. I mean, one thing I'll say about them is they lack identity now and that's Mm. something that's been synonymous with them over the past 10 years. You know what style of football you're going to get, that tiki-taka. When I watch them now, it's sort of like give the ball to Messi. Messi's going to drop deep, try and dribble, crowd it out, lose the ball or give it to Dembele. He's going to try and dribble, crossing the ball. There's no real pattern of play and PSG came there with a plan we're going to sit back we've got the speed to counter and spring onto that defense that aging and creaking defense which is what we saw and Mbappe ultimately put them to bed and the goal that took my eye was Mbappe's goal when Verratti played him like if you're a coach you always say have a picture Verratti had that picture before he received the ball he knew exactly what he was doing and you know, Mbappe masterfully just finished it in, and that was the story of the game.
2: Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and for Mbappe, that's uh, forty goals and assists in his last forty-one appearances in the Champions League. So you know, he's he's really putting up some 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 you know numbers that are very hard to to, to argue against, most certainly. And I think it's interesting that point that you raised um, about Marco Verratti. Um, you know, traditionally. I think everyone expected that he would be the heir apparent to, to Pirlo in that deep line playmaker position. But one thing that um, Mauricio Pochettino has done is, is play him a bit further forward. Um, and, you know, of course, Leandro uh, Paredes was playing a bit deeper um, uh, and, and him supporting uh, Mbappe further forward. So it was really interesting to see that, you know, he does have that in, in his skill set. He can play that role uh, to, to great effect, as we saw uh, yesterday. Um, how about you, Doc? Were you, were you surprised at all with, with the result? Not at all. I think this was the banker of the
3: last 16. When you look at the two teams, I think it's an easy PSG win on both legs. And I think Kylian Mbappe, the king slayer, he went to the Camp Nou and he slayed the king. We have to be mm-hmm. honest. He he showed Messi up yesterday. And I think this is the changing of the guard where Messi and Ronaldo eventually are going to you know, be faded out. And these new superstars are going to take the shine off of them. But mm-hmm. I think going back to the game, as Dev said, Barcelona lack identity. For me, like this is the worst Barcelona team I've seen in the last 10 years. And I think selling Luis Suarez was like the biggest mistake they can ever make. Because for me, he was the least of their problems. When you look at Barcelona, they lack energy. They lack passion to win. And these are all qualities Luis Suarez had to his last day at Barcelona. So when they let him go in the summer that said it all mm. that's the way Barcelona lie in the next few years
2: yeah no no 100% and I think also in that point around identity you know you uh, Dej mentioned there looking back at the last 10 years that identity you know you had your your Xavi's your Iniesta's and, and Busquets in and his pomp now what you look at the, the makeup of that midfield you've got um you've got you've got much sort of smaller diminutive younger players of course with with all of the issues that they they're facing in, in terms of finances they're not going to be able to go out and 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 make the big um, money signings they they're going to have to recruit um you know locally uh a smaller transfer fees and of course look to to La Masia as well um in order to, to to sort of bolster up that team and you know it 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 does just just look a bit like they're out of sorts. They don't really know what's what's happening and what's going on. Um, you know, you've got Pedri, you've got Ricky Rick, Ricky uh, Puig, I, I believe it is, yeah. um, in that midfield, and 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 of course Frankie De Jong. Um, he's playing a. Uh, funnily enough, he's actually playing a, a similar role um, uh, to Verratti in that. You know, he was naturally supposed to be a deep line playmaker. He's played further forward and 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 to great effect. I mean, I mean, even uh, in the in the game yesterday, his his sort of direct run into the box is what. Um, uh, you know, created the, uh, the the opportunity for them to get the, the penalty that, that, of course, Messi dispatched. But it does just seem like they're, they're, they're out of sorts at the moment, doesn't it, Ben?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I wasn't surprised by the result. I think Dot said it was a banker. Um, but there was a moment in the match, I think, where Messi bobbled through a few challenges mm. the ball fell to Dembele. Yeah. A better player makes that 2-0. And if it's 2-0 Barcelona, it is a completely different game. Um, even if they didn't deserve to be in that position, they had the chance to be in that position. And it just seemed for me that PSG could have the ball with Kaelin Ovas, and then two touches later, there could be sirens going off in the Barcelona penalty area. It was so easy to cut through them. They played straight into PSG's hands. They gave Mbappe so much freedom, and he was unbelievable, by the way. I know what I said about Haaland, but don't get me wrong. Mbappe is still very high on this list. Um, And I don't know. I think there's... There's something to be said about teams that have an absolute superstar and you just say, right, I'll give the ball to them. And that's the case with Barcelona, right? I've got Lionel Messi on the team, I'm going to pass him. But when you're going to concede four goals a game, it doesn't matter. And I'm looking at you're Lionel Messi. You're meant to be the greatest player of all time. Like, you've got to feel sorry for him. He didn't want to take the club to court. Like, he's stuck around for an extra season. And this is what happens. Like, yeah. they've been absolutely embarrassed again and again. And all it does for Messi is just lower his standing just that little bit because it's like, well... Well, Messi didn't really have an impact on that game. I know he scored the penalty, but but aside from that, not really. And and he's just—I don't know—he's just risking his reputation, just being muddied ever so slightly. And it's—I don't know—it's a shame. He needs. I mean, he needs to get out in the summer, doesn't he?
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. And I think uh, just a very quick side note um, in terms of you know Frankie De Jong, um, De Ligt, and Hakim Ziyech. Just like these are three players that looked absolutely well classed when they were at Ajax, and then you take mm-hmm. them out of that system and put them in different teams and all of them have had their struggles. I mean, De Ligt, he had a slow start to his Juventus career. Now he's looking at like the player that we know he is. Frankie de Jong, he's been decent, not amazing mm-hmm. and not to the standard that we saw at Ajax. And we've seen Ziach at Chelsea be very inconsistent. So it just shows how important systems are in football.
4: Yeah, yeah definitely. I'd agree with that and... Just a side note as well, PSG did not have Ango Di Maria or Neymar. Imagine if they were in
2: that team. That would have been a scary, scary sight. hundred percent. Do you know what, Ben? I want to go back to one of the points that you mentioned, and I'm going to say something actually quite controversial because you you mentioned that um, Dembele wasn't necessarily a, a great player. I'd argue that on ability we should be speaking about Ousmane Dembele in the same bracket as Kylian Mbappe, just purely on footballing ability, in in my view. I think the the key difference between the two of those players is application. You know, Kylian Mbappe is in the game for 90 minutes. You know, he's always impacting the game, whether it be on the ball or off the ball. And what we saw yesterday was an Ousmane Dembele that was out of the game for large parts of the game you know a lot of psg's success came down that that left flank mm. and you know Ousmane dembele should have really been offering support for Sergio dest but Levin Kurzawa and kilimbe and, and kilin mbappe had all that joy down that flank because of the fact that he, he wasn't he, he he just wasn't in the game and there were some really key decisive moments that you know as a player with you know the reputation that he has and with the ability that he has, you should be standing up and, and and taking it upon yourself to to impact the game. And and he just didn't do that. And I think that's where the gulf in 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 output between those two players is for me currently.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I, mean, I think you're going to get a bit of heat for that opinion um, for Dembélé over Mbappé. I mean, the the thing the thing with football is talent is only is a is a big percentage but mm. there are so many other things and it's being able to thrive under pressure um and do it in different situations and, and Mbappe in terms of the the mental game is just is just so superior yeah. Um, yeah I agree Dembele at Dortmund unbelievable but how many how many moments in his Barcelona career have we gone oh Dembele that was the Dembele show uh, I, I, I remember
3: think a game against Tottenham. I remember when he ran
0: walker
3: I would have tried yeah. to block that in my memory. That. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, think, I think last one on this board, Brendan Rodgers always says it. There's a difference between a talent and a working talent. Kylian yeah. Mbappe is a working talent and Dembele is
2: still a talent, unfortunately. So moving on. Um to the, the other game of, of uh, yesterday evening, which was between, of course, uh, Leipzig and, and Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool travelling away off the back of uh, a, a result uh, at the weekend against Leicester that they definitely want to put behind them. Um, but back to winning ways. Um, we'll, we'll kick things off with, with you on uh, on this one, Ben. What were your thoughts on, on on that game?
0: I think quite simple, really. Don't give Liverpool space to attack into. Like, I'd, I'd understand it if you're Leipzig and you're playing in your own stadium with the fans and there's that atmosphere around it and you can play that high-energy play. But when you're playing in a neutral stadium, no fans, and you know Liverpool's goals are worth more than yours, like, don't give Liverpool easy chances to score. Um, I mean, one sloppy pass, Salah's through 1-0. One, one mistake, um, Mane's through, it's 2-0. And that, and that was sort of the game, really. I don't think... I mean, aside from that, I thought Leipzig did
4: all right. Yeah, I thought this game was very, very predictable. Like, it's a bad style matchup for RB Leipzig. They like to play that high line. They like to press. You know, we've seen almost like a blueprint develop over the last few weeks with teams like Burnley, West Brom sitting back and minimising those gaps. And, you know, Leipzig just played into those pressing zones that Liverpool like to exploit, mistakes pressing high, leaving space in behind for Salamane to play. I thought, again, this is the problem with um, Julia's, Julian Lagosman's style of play. It's very, very, you need to get spot on to yeah. get results. Mm-hmm. If you're not spot on, it can be like a horror show. You can concede three, four, five goals. And that's what we saw. And to be honest, I thought Liverpool could have scored more. I thought their goal was leading the charmed life. They had one opportunity when Inkuku got in behind Jordan Henderson and Mm. Alisson made that smart save. But I thought, yeah, this tie for me is probably done and dusted. I don't see Leipzig coming to Anfield and overturning it. So I wasn't surprised at all.
3: And I think, yeah, just to agree with like we all know how Julian Nagelsmann is going to set up. Liverpool played his Hoffenheim team, I think, three years ago, and it was exactly the same setup: High line, pressing from the front, man-to-man marking. And... When you're playing against a team that's better than your team, it's only going to end up one way. And we saw, you know, the cracks from RB Leipzig against Manchester United when Marcus Rashford just absolutely destroyed them. And I think as good as a coach as Nagelman is, he needs to find a way to be more pragmatic in these big games if he wants to get big results against the top managers in the world.
2: Yeah, no, 100%. I think we, we also have to acknowledge there were some really, really strong performances um, from a Liverpool perspective, from from Curtis Jones and, and Ozan Kabak, and I think uh, the latter in particular, um, especially because of you know his his debut against Leicester wasn't necessarily the, the great performance. Um, the fact that he he was able to rally and, and come back and, and deliver. Um, you know, on the stage that he did in the Champions League yesterday was w- was great, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about. Even throughout that that period where we were doing the the daily transfers and we were talking about his move and 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 the the the, the, the thinking behind it was largely down to the fact that he's a young player, yes, but one that is uh, very responsible, one that's got a good head on his shoulders, and and one with a great mentality. And I thought I think we saw we saw that in all its glory yesterday with the performance that he put in. And of course, also Curtis Jones, I think now he he's playing, uh, um, you know, ultimately to convince Jurgen Klopp that should Jinny uh, Wijnaldum leave in the summer, that he doesn't need to go out and sign another central midfield player because he could he can do it all. You know, we've spoken about the fact that he's got a very unique skill set. And I think, you know, if he continues to perform like that, then then he certainly will, um, you know, force himself into Jurgen Klopp's plans going forward into, into the next season. Definitely.
3: And I think the biggest compliment that I can, you know, pay Curtis Jones is that he played as if he's been playing in the first team for seven years. I mean, he controlled the tempo of the game, you know, dictating the, The ball, just manipulating the ball, linking up with Thiago. And I think he played really well. But I just want to shine a spotlight on Trent Alexander-Arnold because he's a player that's come under some criticism over the past few weeks. But I think yesterday he was terrific on the ball and also off the ball. There was a lot of times when he was isolated 1v1. But it was like, you know what? I'm going to get my body in the right shape and I'm going to defend this properly. And I think massive shout out to him because if he hits form, Liverpool will start to improve because he's so key and pivotal to what Liverpool do going forward
2: yeah 100% you know I I also wanted to bring to you guys attention just one of the the gripes that I had yesterday and it made me think because um, for the second goal that Mane scored the commentators were saying it was an error from Upamakano but it actually wasn't it was uh, Mukiele yeah, and I, it it made me wonder, and 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 particularly because of the fact that uh, Upamankano didn't have a great game yesterday. You know, he gave the ball away quite quite a bit. He was quite sloppy in possession, and and the fact that you know everything that was going wrong in the defense was initially just just uh, attached to him. I, I wonder what role the the fact that the news of his transfer to uh, Bayern Munich come the end of the season had a part to play in it and it also got me thinking about the fact that obviously Marco Rose for example the the, the manager of Mönchengladbach mm. is going to be joining Dortmund in the summer and I, I feel it's really weird that in the Bundesliga you have these situations mm. where these things that are, are 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 going to happen in in, in the coming season are being mentioned halfway through the current season, you know, surely that's got to have some sort of impact on the individuals, on the players, you know, at, at, at Leipzig, surely mancano's colleagues in, in, the, in the dressing room are, you know, are, are perhaps going to be thinking, you know, is, is, is his heart still in it? Is his mind still in the right place? And that kind of thing. And I feel like it's just a huge distraction that you don't really need.
0: Yeah, I mean they had it with Timo Werner though, didn't they? Where he just they were, they had a chance to win the Champions League and it's like, nah, lads, I've signed my contract of Chelsea, I'm not going. Um and then they and then they still did all right um in the in the final eight. They didn't disgrace themselves at all. Um yeah, I, I noticed the Upman thing as well. And I was like, hang on, that wasn't his fault. Um <laughs> I, I don't know, it's 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 hard to say, isn't it? Like we're not we're not inside his his mind and 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 the whole Leipzig defence was was set up to fail by the system. Um, so and, and I think it's easy, isn't it, that you 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 pin the blame on the most expensive, the most high-profile player, but yeah. that but that comes with the territory of being being the best.
2: Yeah, fair play.
4: No, definitely. And again, if you're looking for something, you'll find it ultimately. And it depends on the character. Some people can take the pressure and they don't mind. They think, you know what, this is my swan song. I'm going to give him my all others it might affect because behind the scenes you're looking for new houses it affects a lot so mm-hmm. ultimately, ultimately for me it depends on the person and uppamancorn i think he's a, a top defender he was a bit erratic yesterday but again it's a bad performance he's young he's still developing
3: last last one on this one when i've watched dial uppamancorn i haven't been too impressed by him yesterday i've never seen anyone give liverpool's front free the ball so many times since Virgil van Dijk. I mean, he was just giving it to Liverpool's <laughs> front three all the time. And it just didn't make sense. And I think when it comes to 1v1 defending, yes, he's quick, he's powerful, he's strong. But in terms of the basics as a defender, I'm yet to be fully convinced by him. I know he's a big talent. I know he's got a big reputation and I know he will improve. But from what I've seen in the Champions League this season and in Germany, I haven't been too impressed by Dijk Oppenman-Karno.
4: I've seen him several times. I've watched him several times in the Bundesliga and every time I've seen him, he's caught my eye. Yes, there is mistakes that need to rid from his game. But again, he's learning. He's still Mm. in his early 20s. Like This is someone that going to Bayern Munich, they produce top centre-halves and I think he'll sort of nourish his game and develop and become one of the top defenders in the modern era.
3: What I would say is that Ozan Kabak definitely won the battle yesterday.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> had to sneak that one in there. That's cheeky. That's very cheeky, Doc. Uh, Porto and Juve. Um, ben, kick us off on this one, mate.
0: Yeah, I need... You need to try and, <laughs> and that one off on me. Um, for, for the viewers, we had a, oh, we've had had a slight confession that we may have had more than one eye on the Dortmund severe game. Um, the only thing... I can really say from a Porto perspective is A, um, Pepe and Mbemba looked absolutely class together. Mm, yeah. Um, so Pepe. you almost forget about Pepe because obviously, I mean, I'm not I'm a massive I'm a massive football nut, but I don't regularly find myself sitting down to watch the Portuguese League in the <laughs> evening. Um, and, then, and, then, like, and Pepe was brilliant. Um and then the second thing was that Juventus looked like they were allergic to making runs for the for the mm. first 80 mm. minutes of the match. Like there was it was just Banks of four and then I will we'll try and give it to Ronaldo. Um, and then it was when I think it was Rabiot then got in behind, pulled it back and Chiesa scored that they actually looked like doing something. Um, and then Ronaldo made a run in the last minute. Was it a penalty? Yeah. No, he was already sat down by the time he was touched. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously we we all had eyes on, eyes on Dortmund, but it was, yeah, it was the, the bit I did see of Juve was peculiar because they looked very sluggish.
2: Yeah. What I find really interesting is the fact that Juve went 1-0 down very early on in the first half from that Bentancourt era. And then they conceded again very early on in the second half. I think it was within, within the first minute of, of kickoff of the second half. So surely there, there, there's got to be something that, you know, has got to be done in terms of, you know, attention and, and, and them switching on early on in the game. Because it, it just looks like they're, they're a bit slow off the, off, off the marks.
0: Yeah, I think definitely in an empty stadium. And an empty stadium away from home, that must be the hardest thing to get yourself up for because there's there's no... You, you, you're you nervous before the game and you walk out and there's silence. And obviously when we're watching it, we hear the crowd. But there's, you've got to remember the whole time, this is why coming back to a different point about Haaland, I love him because he's so energ- energised by, by it. When he scores, it looks like he has heard the war of 70,000 people. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know the stats on Juventus and whether they've they switched off more. Um, what I would say is that Chesnay should have saved the second.
4: Yeah, and this is why there's probably been a question mark over Chesney's career over a long time, you know. Is he top keeper? Is he mediocre? You know, the the jury's still out. But I think this goes a long way because Messi and Ronaldo both get into that grand age, you know, both on their way out, probably within the next year or two, and teams building around them. Speed is the new commodity in football. And when I watched Juventus, I watched some of the game, it was very pedantic, pedestrian, orchestrated. And Porto, all they done was defend well and take their chances. I mean, Pepe put on a masterclass. We've seen that over the years, you know, with his histrionics, his theatrics. But I think I'll still say the tie is probably edged towards Juventus's favour because getting that away goal, I fancy them to go home and get the job done.
3: This is a funny one because Cristiano Ronaldo went to Juventus to bring that Champions League to Juve and to me, they look further than ever, because when I watch them, they just lack energy. And it just doesn't make sense to build a squad around Cristiano Ronaldo now when he's not the player that he used to be. I know he still puts up the numbers. He still gets the goal contributions. But for me, I, I'm not impressed by Juventus. But what I would say about Porto is Morega. This is a player that's caught my eye. I watched him last season in the Champions League. And I think... Ben was speaking about the energy of Haaland and this guy, he's got a lot of energy. He runs around, he's a workhorse, he harries defenders, he gets in behinds and obviously he was justified with his goal today and I think this game's still in the balance. I don't think Juventus are going to turn it around easily when they go um, to Italy. I think Porto have a good chance of getting through but what I would say is that Juventus, I think they're further than ever when it comes to winning the Champions League.
2: Well, scary times, of course. You you mentioned it there. Dot. The whole premise of uh, Ronaldo going there was to bring back that that much coveted uh, big ears trophy. Um, and and I don't know, if we're if we're looking at it like that, they're, they're they're still quite some way away from from achieving that. Then you know what what where does this leave them? Um, you know, still question marks over whether or not Andrea Pirlo is the right man for the job. Um, You know, can he, can he do it? Can he take them over the line? Remains to be seen, but we'll of course uh, watch with bated breath and in (laughs) eager anticipation, of course. Um, Okay, fine. We're going to wrap things up and leave things there. Then we will um, leave it there and regroup once again in the next um, set of fixtures. So guys, um, leave, leave your thoughts in the comments what do you think Mbappe, Haaland who wins the <laughs> argument if you had a blank Mbappe. checkbook Mbappe. Who, would you, who would you go <laughs> with we'd, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'd love to know and we're going to circle back uh, in the next round of fixtures so for, 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 for now we'll leave it there the Eurosport and Beautiful Game podcast collaboration and we'll be back again with you guys soon